My pleasure now to welcome to the show Canadian country artist Sean Hogan. His 1996 debut album brought us his uniquely authentic blend of old country and modern rustic pop. That led to a Canadian Country Music Association Award for Independent Male Artist of the Year in 1997. And of course, in the following years, he released more hit singles that we heard all over the radio. Uh, won more awards. Sean Hogan became a regular chart topper on country radio and of course cmt with 18 music videos uh, that we got to enjoy over the years uh, he had some success in the u.s as well and he's continuing to release new music uh, and we've got a couple of examples of that on the show two brand new songs plus we'll go back uh, and play an old favorite let's welcome him now to the show sean hogan hey sean hi there dave it's a pleasure to have you here it's great to uh, be chatting with you again my friend thank you for having me on your show yeah, we spoke a few years back uh, here on the show. People can Google and check out that interview uh, type of stuff we talked about at that time, uh, at that point. But now we're going to share some new music, which I'm really excited about, because you started to post it online, and I've heard California, which we're going to hear on the show, yeah. and another cool tune called Watuko, which is just uh, uh, just makes you feel warm and, and uh, you're in a better place, and it's cool. And we'll get the story behind that a bit later. But uh, how are things going? How is music treating you these days? Well, you know what? I think music treat me pretty good. I, I've been fortunate to uh, continue to uh, ply the art or ply the trade, and, and uh, people keep booking me and bringing me back. And, you know, uh, it's still my big muse as far as life goes, and, and I'm very, I think, fortunate to uh, do music for a living uh, after so many changes in the music industry in the past couple decades that we've all been through. You know, I'm I'm real. Yeah, music treat me well. I think music can treat you almost, you know, as well as you treat it. You gotta you gotta do your part. Now, songwriting is such a big part of your career. Let's get into that. Do you structure time? A lot of people do this with co-writers. They'll you know, eleven o'clock and uh, till two o'clock. We'll set three hours and we will write a song. Or for you, Sean, is it more of inspiration finds you wherever you are, whatever time it is. And at that point, when that inspiration hits, you've got to sit down and start working on the song then. I know I've learned how I operate as a songwriter. And it's um, as much as I've enjoyed many of the times when I went to Nashville and for months on end, and I'd be down on my U.S. work visa between 2008 and 2011. And, um, and I was down there for many years before that, man. And you'd have these appointments to write a song and you'd show up for your 10 o'clock appointment, and you might have one at 2. Um, right. It's not really how I naturally write, though, and I think I probably write more like, um, not, not to say that I know exactly how these people, but, but some of the greats who are no longer with us, like Tom Petty and some of them who still are, uh, John Hyatt and, and so many others, you know, you're, you write when you make time to write because you're enthralled with the idea of writing about an idea that you have as opposed to sitting there and looking at the other person across the table and going, well, <laughs> what have you come up with lately that you think might be interesting to write about? And then you go through this pad and you find a title and you go, maybe there's a song there. Not that that can't work. It can, 
but I'm not really that kind of writer. And so I, I have to be inspired by something. And having said that, you do have to try and write. But what I find, Dave, is that when you're trying to write, you may be intersected by your own mind who's going, I hear you and I see you trying to write this other idea. That's really something. But anyway, here's what I think <laughs> you should write about. And all of a sudden, some song comes flying out of you. And you don't know where it came from. You hear people talk about that. It's like you have an invisible right. antenna on your head. And you're picking up mm-hmm. an idea, and, I, and it's coming out of you, and it's coming out strong. And it's a different way of operating as an artist, as a writer, than writing when you get down you got to write okay and you go to your book and you go to your title and then you go to I don't know that doesn't work for me as well um so that's the kind of writer I am and I do think you have to try and write because you keep the gray matter stimulated but but uh, don't be surprised if it doesn't happen when you you know force it to it might happen when it wants to yeah exactly it shows up when it wants to and as you said you might be writing one idea and it's going to take you down another route. I mean, as you sort of put it there, songwriting, it's coming from outside of you to a certain degree. Even though you're shaping the song and you are writing it, that idea is coming from somewhere and it's kind of appearing, isn't it, in a way? Kind of a mystery. Yeah, honestly, you couldn't have put it more succinctly. That's so true. Um, you know, I have an example, many examples I could point to, but this is a song you won't know right away. But my mother passed away in mid-November of last year. And the day after my mom passed, and we knew my mom was not doing well, and my mom had limited days left on earth, and that's the way it was. But the day after my mother passed away, I wrote a song, and and I was totally inspired by her, Uh but like some of my other favorite songs in my lifetime that I've written, it seemingly came like just full on, here it is, this is the song, the melody, the lyrics, the succinct, the originality, the freshness, the tempo, the mood, the everything. And uh, you're, you know, if you're a creature that writes, you have the tools at that time if you haven't let them go too rusty to pull it together and it all is there, you know, but how you get some part of your brain to pick up on these both um, emotions and thoughts and knowledge and put it all together is a bit of a mystery to me, I think, and a lot of people. So I wrote this song and it came together like that. And there have been other songs that came together like that, that I didn't stew over and write many different ways. Now, you can do that and still be really happy, I think, with the result. When I wrote this most recent song, which is the current single at Country Radio right now called California, California, if you will, but, you know, California, I wrote that, Dave, at least four different, distinctly different ways uh, with the same lyric, but completely different melody uh, a few times, very different tempos, very different rhythms, and I've never gone down the rabbit hole, as it were, that many times with the same song, especially with the same lyrics. It was crazy. Right. I was wondering when it was going to stop. But over like a matter of four <laughs> or five years, I toyed around with this song. And I came to a place where, I yeah, I exhausted all these different things. And I was like, ah, that's, yeah, that can work. But it's not it. And then I go down this other way. It's like, yeah, that's cool. And that could work. But it's still not it. 
and you know, I'm glad I finally putting it out there and like be done with it because um, that was not necessarily that's not really necessarily where I wanted to go in my songwriting but you know you can't say that I didn't explore many different avenues I, sh- I sure did yeah <laughs> now, but you know it's like different all the time so I, I think I like that and I, I, I think routine is, is not good for me maybe that's part of the reason why I couldn't imagine showing up at songwriting meetings day after day as a songwriter in Nashville and <laughs> yeah maybe that just does, yeah. you know it's fun to do sometimes and I've written with some great writers down there but um that yeah I think maybe it's more of the rock and roll I I grew up an hour and a half drive from Detroit Michigan and I grew up listening to a lot of great music coming out of Detroit Motown and rock and roll and I suspect that a lot of the writers not all of them wrote along the same wavelengths that I wrote that I write when I write you know just that it's a different perhaps philosophical tact um, in the way you do approach it yeah absolutely it's a great approach and who were some of those influences, Sean, growing up when you were uh, discovering music and falling in love with music and listening to the radio? Who are a couple of the artists that got you excited about uh, about music? Yeah, well, I think um, before I really knew uh, people's names, I knew their voices. And, uh, and then when I got to the, the adolescent age, you know, 12, 13, 14, I really dug into it and that became like my trajectory that I wanted to do this. Uh, but I was listening to so many people from the Four Tops to uh, Bob Seger to the Jay Gals Band and then, you know, there'd be Benny King, and then there'd be, you know, the Romantics on the radio, but then I was into listening to, of course, a lot of other people that we're all familiar with anyway. I mean, like those artists are great, huge artists. Um, but back at that time, uh, a lot of the Heartland Rock guys, like uh, not just Bob Seger, but Springsteen and Tom Petty, even though Tom Petty's originally from from Florida, of course, but that sound of rock and roll and uh and and but i you know i loved a lot of stuff that was coming out of england as well i was huge huge fan of the police and the clash um and uh, you know i i listened to a lot of a lot of rock and roll it wasn't until i and i mentioned this to you before uh about working in radio and 30 years ago, I had an opportunity to work at a country station. It was only country at night. From 7 p.m. till 5 a.m., it was country. And then I went to soft rock. And this was 86, 87. I never worked in radio, but I had a summer job. And they started me on air three weeks after, you know, I got there. I was alone all night. And it was all night country. So I was listening to these artists. And I didn't know a lot of them, you know, but I started... And I wasn't a big country fan at the time. Not that, you know, I didn't have country music somewhere in the peripheral background. My grandparents had a farm, and I would hear it out there quite often. But I was more of a rock and roll kid. But I remember distinctly, you know, some of these quote-unquote new artists at the time, Dwight, Dwight Yoakam, Randy Travis in 86, they were pretty new. I mean, yep. fairly yeah. new. Even George Strait yep. was just a few years into his career. So I was hearing a lot of these guys and some of the bands like Southern Pacific, um, Poco, uh, they were still playing those guys, of course, Alabama. And, and, but most of them, Dave, were all new to me. And so, and I remember thinking, you know, this is cool. 
But I think I'm going to like this when I'm older. But I don't know if I really like it a lot now, but I'm starting to like it, right. uh, you know. And I didn't really have a lot of choices. <laughs> I was the DJ. I was playing this stuff, yeah. and I was working. But, you know, I mean, you like what you like. But I couldn't wait yeah. way back then till 5 a.m. when I could hear Phil Collins and Mike and the Mechanics and the stuff we were playing on the rock side come 5 a.m. because it was a bit more up my alley. But uh, I developed a, a taste for, and, you know, Steve Earle was even had a cutout back in 87. So, so yeah, I, uh, you know, what I, what a lot of folks don't know is that I was a drummer when I was a kid, and I was a pretty serious drummer and a singer at the same time. And I went off to study music industry arts at Fanshawe College, recording engineering and music business in 86, 87. So when I wasn't working at that radio station, I went off to college and did that. Then I had a summer off. Then I went to, I went back to the radio station. Then I went to Toronto. I realized I didn't want to be an engineer, but I wanted to know more about music. So I studied music theory and I studied jazz. And I did a couple of years doing that with vocal as a minor. But I was centered out in the classroom, Dave, by my vocal minor instructor, this fellow, Martin Spencer, still remember his name. He had worked with the Canadian Opera Company, and he got the class to say, okay, now when Sean sang that line solo, can someone tell me what it was about Sean's voice? There's a quality, a characteristic in his voice, and uh, can anyone tell me what was standing out there? So... At this time, I'm really listening to a lot of songwriters in my time, besides jazz, and I did love a lot of jazz bands at that time, and I still do, but I was listening to Lyle Lovett and John Hyatt mm. and Steve Earle and these singer-songwriters that straddle many styles of music. And so people, you know, literally, you can see me in the classroom, and people are putting up their hand, and somebody, okay, you, yes, what did you hear in Sean's voice? It sounded a little nasal. It's a little nas nasality, and the guy said yes, and... <laughs> Anyone else tell me, anyone in the class, anyone, anyone tell me what style of music we might hear that in? And someone else puts up their hand. In country music, I think. Yeah, so we don't want that, Sean. And I was like, I sing the way I sing, man, and I'm a pretty decent singer. And I'm not sure if I sound nasally or not to you or to these other people, but I'm not going to, like, here, this was like the pot calling the kettle black, okay? This guy would sit down at the piano, and, and, you know, in all respect, I'm just telling you like it was. I mean, I hope he's still living and okay. But he would sit down at the piano and say, okay, class, here's a blues tune. And he would pound out some song like Sad and All, an old blues song, you right? And um, I believe that was Duke Ellington. But anyway, he would he would play it, but he would sound like an opera singer singing a blues tune. So it's like, you know... Maybe we are who we are, and as much as you preach that, you know, you got to be this way or you got to be that way, maybe people are just who they are, and you ought to let them use their talent as they deem fit. Yeah. And that was my perspective. Anyway, I never went back to that class, Dave. <laughs> I was done. I'm like, <laughs> you know, that was it. I'll just keep going to my other classes that I want to go to. And I did a couple of years of this three-year program. Then I moved to the West Coast, and I took my drums and my vinyl LPs and my Walkman, my cassette Walkman, and I moved to Victoria, B.C., and I didn't have much else besides that stuff. And uh, I was thinking maybe I should just get right out of music. Maybe I should talk myself back into radio. And I do like broadcasting, but it wasn't my first love. So I started going to these interviews, and this one guy, John Shields, at Q100, 
4.3 in Victoria Rock Station. I remember meeting him, nice guy, and later he played my music a lot at his country station he started many years wow. later, but we didn't see that at this point. I had this interview, and the guy's like, well, Sean, I'm looking at your resume, and you're going between, like, music college, and then you're back in radio, then you're in music college, and then you're back in radio, then you applied to radio at Fanshawe, and you got, like, straight A's to get in, but then you didn't go, you went to jazz, and you studied jazz. So do you know, I'm, I said to him, listen, you know, I've decided I'm just going to do music as a part-time thing. I'm just going to do music part-time, and I'm going to pursue getting into radio. And he said, okay, well, stay in touch, because I can't give you a job here in Victoria today. But, you know, stay in touch with me. But when I was telling him that, Dave, I could feel my gut kind of tightening up and doing like, you're lying. You know, it's kind of like, <laughs> you're trying to talk yourself out of doing what you love to do. Because you think you should. And um, and I left there, and I went. I was renting a house so I could play my drums, and I started jamming with some guys that I didn't really know. That's the way it is when you're a young musician especially. And I put together a band, and we started playing songs that I was writing, but I couldn't play guitar well enough to play them. So they would have to figure out what I was playing on the guitar, and they would play it while I would sing the tune and play the drums. It was, I'm taking you down a long time ago, Dave, but anyway, that's the way it was. Yeah. It was funny, and that's the way it went down. Wow. That's awesome to see how you kind of found your way to country music and all the other influences you had. Uh, We've got a lot more to talk about, but I want to turn to some music, Sean, and uh, let's go back to uh, A Cowboy's Heart from 2005, part of the Catalina Sunrise album. And uh, yeah. tell me a bit about A Cowboy's Heart, and then we're going to share it here on the show, Sean. Okay, sure. Yeah, thanks, Dave. Well, A Cowboy's Heart, I, I wrote that while living in Victoria. It was around the time I was working on my Catalina Sunrise album. And I just had a melody stuck in my head, and and I thought A Cowboy's Heart, I mean, I always kind of felt like there was part of me that had that, especially as a younger man. I started singing it, and I thought, well, this is cool. And, of course, it was, you know, I was working on, I'd done a few albums. I had a little bit of success before that. Um, And as often is the case, I seem to like the key of B minor or the relative key of D major, and I like singing minor keys. And and I had this idea, this hooky idea, just what the melody is there. And so I, I wrote a story around it. Now, I think there's not too much beyond the aesthetic, sonic, if you will, attractiveness of the melody that drew me to finish the song. But it's got some cool changes that, um, uh, you know, I I was lucky that I wrote into it, and and I have to say I did enjoy, on that song specifically, the pre-production in the studio with my co-producer Rick Hutt and a friend of ours, Steve Hogg, and just some subtle changes uh, in the arrangement, not nothing changed the melody, just a chord, some, a chord substitution underneath the melody here and there, not too much, but I think it did add to it. And then one of the things I, I recall about that song is uh, Mike McAdam, who played on the first couple of Steve Earle tours and in the studio with Steve Earle, electric guitar. I flew him up from Nashville to be in Ontario. We, we recorded that out at Escarpment Sound, and um, and it was really awesome. Mike had been playing with uh, uh, Radney Foster and other great songwriters that I look up to. And this was around, you know, the early 2000s when I recorded it. It came out and it came out as a single in 2005. It was a top top 20 and top 30 hit uh on country radio, but 
you know, some of the things I remember about that, his guitar solo was just awesome in the song, and we kept that. It was like he brought this this head of an amplifier up from Nashville with him, and he's originally from uh, uh, Richmond, Virginia, I believe. But really cool guy, Mike McAdam, great song, great player, great guitar player, great musician. And he had the greatest sound with this amp that he brought up, but it was just the head, and we ran it through some, you know, uh, a speaker cabinet, but the head was it was like having Neil Young's band Crazy Horse in a bottle, is what I remember it being like. And um, but hearing the stories too of him playing with Radney Foster, and Radney Foster at the time was getting success with the Dixie Chicks, picking up his music, and you know, and then uh, oh yeah, and geez, I can see him now, but uh, I just saw him the other night. Keith Urban, of course did a Radney tune. Anyway, um, that's right. Yeah. So then we did the video. I flew down to Arizona, did the video for that song, Cowboy's Heart. And, uh, I was playing one time just a club gig for myself on the Island, you know, just some work. And I came home, it was late at night and I put on the television and I heard Willie Nelson. I heard Willie Nelson singing. I see like a pickup truck and cowboy boots. And I'm like, oh, this is some Western or something. I don't know this movie. What is this? So it's late at night. So I crack a beer and I'm done my gig. And I'm going to watch this TV show with Willie Nelson music. It's a movie. I don't know this movie. And then I figure out shortly after that that it's Brokeback Mountain. And it's like, okay, wow. I I never did see that movie. But uh, I heard it won some awards. <laughs> and, uh, and I thought, well, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> my song, A Cowboy's Heart. A Cowboy's Heart, man, this is this movie's about a couple of cowboys' hearts. Um, they could have changed the lyrics. Willie Nelson's got his songs in this movie. Why couldn't I get my song in a movie, man? Like, you know, Willie Nelson needs the money? Anyway, <laughs> so, then, so, then, so then the plot thickens, Dave. I'm out playing on my Christmas tour. I think it was the 10th anniversary. And we're down in Fort McLeod, southern Alberta. And we're playing the Empress Theater. And we pull up to this red coat motor inn where they're putting us up for the night. And there's, it's like one of those drive up to the motor inns, you know. And we're doing two nights at this Empress Theater, which is a hundred year old theater, really cool. Um, and we pull up to the red coat motor inn, and there's a poster on the wall on the outside in a case. And it's in a case, and it's a movie poster, and it's Brokeback Mountain. And so I'm thinking, wow, that's wild. There's only one movie poster on the side of this motel on this Brokeback Mountain. So I'm telling the story of my song, A Cowboy's Heart, that could have been in the movie Brokeback Mountain. Incidentally, right. you guys have that on the side of your motel here in a big movie picture frame. And apparently they shot the movie there in Fort McLeod area oh. of Alberta. Yeah, but wow. here's, here's, the connect, here's the connection is in my song, A Cowboy's Heart, I I was telling the audience, you know, I've never, I mentioned Lethbridge. I don't know how many songs you can think of in Canadian pop music that mention Lethbridge in the song. The song becomes a hit. But um, I also mentioned a pretty little place called Del Bonita. And Del Bonita is a border crossing town between Alberta and Montana. And they sh- and you couldn't get closer to being in Del Bonita. I mean, I'd be surprised if they had more than a gas station and a campsite, maybe, in Del Bonita. But it's really close to Fort McLeod. So I'm mentioning these little locales in this tune, A Cowboy's Heart, you know, after we had some fun talking about how it wasn't in the movie, Brokeback Mountain. And yet, 
it's right down the road. And to say nothing of the fact that they shot Brokeback Mountain in Fort McLeod and, and in that area. And Del Benitan left – Del Benita, rather, and Lethbridge are like 40 minutes away. So it was um, interesting. So it's not so much the song that I remember when you asked me about Cowboy's Heart. It's like all the stuff around the song after the song <laughs> has a life, right? So right. there you go. There's a little more trivia. <laughs> That's awesome. It's great to hear. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Beyond the songwriting. And just into, as you said, what was what was happening around that time and connected to the song is a great story. Well, they take a, you know, songs can take on a life of themselves. And when you're playing these songs, I don't know how many times I've played that song since I put it out. I couldn't even guess. Thousands. But, um, you know you start to talk about your songs and especially when you're doing a, a solo shows, which I mainly do these days. Um, and so these are the things that people find interesting. I know when I go to see Lyle Lovett or John Hyatt or some of my favorite songwriters, I could just as easily hear them talk about their career and their songwriting and the songs yeah. and the stories behind the songs, let alone hear them yeah. do the song. You know, it's, it's <laughs> exactly. like very much, it's very interesting. how it all comes together. It is. I love that stuff, too, and that's a great story. Let's share the song now from my guest, Sean Hogan. This is A Cowboy's Heart on In the Country. If all's fair in love Like all's fair in war I told her it ain't for the fighting, darling, that I came back to you for. Somewhere south of Lethbridge, down by Del Bonita, we crossed the line into something so fine. And I just had to see her, she cried, you, you got a cowboy's heart. Closest I got to ever being a rider Was growing up in a one-horse town And I never rode the wild one to save my life, baby But in time I might settle down So give me one last chance to show you oh, Honey, that I love was meant to be While she knelt down there as if to kiss me, whispered She cried, you, you got a cowboy's heart You may be right at home today But you'll be long gone tomorrow I'll rope in the wind for your dreams I'll run in your sorrow You got a cowboy's heart Got a cowboy's heart. Like the dark 
dark side of the moon That's a shadow that the sun could never know I never let her see the other side of me Now her words still haunt my soul Crying you You got a cowboy's heart Yeah, she cried you You may be right at home today, but you'll be long gone tomorrow. You'll be out there, hoping the wind for your dreams. I'm running your sorrow. You got a cowboy's heart. She said, You got a cowboy's heart. Yes, she cried, You. And that is my guest, Sean Hogan, with The Cowboy's Heart. You can find that at iTunes, along with a bunch of other of Sean's songs. And uh, we got some brand new music from him coming up here on the show in just a bit. Are there songs, Sean, that you've written and recorded in the past, and, you know, years later as you're performing and singing them, because of things you've gone through in life, now those songs have different meanings for you? Certainly there are times when the song takes on a different meaning later. Um, hmm. You know, and probably with my sixth album, Phoenix, that happened. And I don't remember if you and I talked about it when we when I first talked with you six years ago. But, um, you know, there are songs on the Phoenix album that took on a different meaning to me. And I didn't see it coming when I was recording the album and putting these songs together, let alone the title. But I, I, you know, as you and I discussed, and a lot of people, it's no um, surprise to hear that I, I had cancer, and it was pretty late stage cancer. It was the first degree of the last stage, stage 4A. And some of the songs on that album, like Better Angels Prevail, and another song called Like We Never Had to Say Goodbye, took on incredibly different meaning and tone uh, after the song was on the album. And then the album came out, but the album was actually delayed, even though it was all done and ready to come out. Just it's sitting there done, but it was delayed because I was told I had cancer. And then when I would go to play these songs later, after I was deemed cancer free and told I was well and felt well and slowly got better and got my weight back and my ability to sing pretty strongly again, um, you know, when I would go to sing that song, it was like, wow, it has a totally different meaning to me than what this song was originally kind of about. So that can happen. Wow. And that was a pretty uh, poignant um, example of how that can happen. Absolutely. And I bet at, after that time when you, as you said, were uh, back to being you and your voice and your weight and all that, I guess a lot of things in life, not only music, but of course, you gain an appreciation for everything, I would imagine. Yeah, at that point, you put things in perspective. Things, 
Yeah. It doesn't mean you don't get stressed out. I mean, you know, I can still get stressed out and tell myself to calm down and whatever, you know, but it's, it is different because right. you can put a cap on it a lot quicker because you realize there's, um, you know, there's a lot of small stuff and there's only some big stuff that really matters. So, you know, you realize, um, everything's going to be okay. You know, Bob Marley said it well, <laughs> everything's going to be all right. And, um, <laughs> Yeah, no matter what happens, and and you you know you don't need to. I mean, things are going to happen the way they're going to happen. You can you can achieve things, and you got to work. You got to try to do things differently, but you know uh, you're not going to gain a lot of ground worrying yourself uh, to death, as it were. It's just the opposite. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Let's talk a bit about the success that you had in the U.S. You had some releases there. Uh, did you head down to the U.S. and do performances? What what was that time like for you with uh, with things happening there? Yeah, uh, well, I I got my work visa uh, maybe uh, um, uh, how would I say not an unlucky time, but not a completely. Uh, serendipitous time when I got my work visa. Okay. Let's put it that way. Um, I got my work visa, came through, was got the green light September 2008, the same month that the, you know, proverbial crap hit the fan in yeah. the American Great Recession. Yeah. Exact same month. Lehman Brothers folded. Everything was happening. September 2008. People were getting laid off left, right, and center, and and uh, hey, I got my U.S. work visa. <laughs> like, well, <laughs> good luck. Um, anyway, yes, I did go down to the U.S. a lot. I was down in Texas and Idaho and Nashville, Tennessee, and um, I did some performances, visited a lot of radio stations, but invariably I had more work still happening in Canada. Canada was where I was making my income, where I had made my income, and they, you know, I don't want to say that it can't happen in Nashville. It's a really cool city for a lot of reasons, and it's it's a real tourism city for sure. But um, it's also um, a city that uh, is, uh, what's the word, um, insular. It's very insular, and so if you're not from there, you're from someplace else, and that will not bode well per se. Um so you can make lots of friends and you can play lots of places, but at the end of the day, um, if you're from a certain part of the world, it would probably bode better in most circumstances that you're from there than somewhere else. And um, I will say that. But um, I did release an album to the U.S. My fifth album in Canada was my first album to the U.S. on the country charts. I had had two albums out to the Americana charts that got top 20 hits down there on the Americana scene in 2002, 3, and 8. 2008, when I um, was down there for the Americana convention the second time, I believe it was, I was there for that. And so my music's always straddled the border between country and more Americana singer-songwriter and uh, or roots artist, as they say sometimes. So, mm-hmm. yeah, um, to answer your question, uh, I got 
a song called Suck It Up on the U.S. charts, um, and Heartbreak Song got to top in top 20 of the secondary and tertiary stations, which basically means non-billboard stations, which basically means non-major market music stations, because okay. it costs a lot of money to track to billboard stations, and billboard stations are in the larger markets, and you need more than three, four, five reps, at least three, really should have four to five. Wow. And each rep's getting paid $10,000, and you got to track that song to those uh, sections of continental USA. And it's very expensive. Let's turn to some new music, California yeah. A, which we touched on yeah. uh, before in the show. And it's exciting because we have a couple of new tracks, uh, this being one of the two new songs we're going to share. Uh, so tell me about the song, uh, writing behind it, any story with it, uh, Sean, and then we'll let our listeners hear it. Okay, sure. Uh, well, California A, uh, I had um, been playing with uh, in many incarnations over the last couple of few years, and I think uh, I first started writing the um, the seeds of the song after coming back from a trip to California. How about that? And while I was in California uh, at this particular time, I made a phone call back to my cancer agency in Victoria because I just finished a follow-up scan um, that they wait to give you after you've had cancer treatment. They wait 12 weeks, then they send you through a PET scan, an MRI. And I had gone through treatment for stage four cancer of the head and neck. And um, so I had my follow-up scan. And then I went and took my wife and kids down to California, and we flew from Bellingham, Washington, to Oakland, California, and then we drove into Southern California after a week in San Francisco. And I was in Long Beach, and I hadn't heard what the follow-up scans showed. And I thought, Jesus, it's been a while, but they do know I'm on vacation. Maybe they didn't want to ruin my vacation by telling me what the results were. So after a couple of weeks of that, I got to reach out and call up and see what the results were. So I did. And um, and the woman said, well, let me just put you on hold while I go find out what your files say here, because I'm surprised you never heard. So I was on hold. And let me tell you, that's a long hold to be on when you're waiting to find out if they got rid of your cancer, if it's still there. I'll bet. You know? Wow. So she came back on the phone and she said, no, you know what? Um, this says that there's no reoccurrence of any cancer, no sign of the disease at all. So just go live your life. It's gone. And, you know, I was blown away. I mean, I was like, wow, I felt like I could, I could, I didn't feel it before, but I felt this weight coming off my shoulders that I didn't realize was still there. And there I was standing outside of Whole Foods in Long Beach, California. And I just felt like, wow, it was the day before St. Patrick's Day, 2012. So, um, slowly but surely, I started thinking about. California and about just getting away and about how everybody needs to get away and sometimes you're living in a world where you're doing a job you don't like and I've been there um, you know and you feel like a one trick pony and you're just tired done with this thing that you do you clock in like a circus routine and you yep. do your thing and uh, so I wrote a song about that feeling that everybody has sometimes you just got to get away it doesn't have to be far away sometimes but so the whole idea slowly came together and that's how I came up with uh, California A awesome let's hear that now my guest is Sean Hogan this is California A 
on In the Country. Stir crazy. Lately I'm as good as gone. A clock can't work it like a circus routine. Grateful for the hours in a thankless job. Out of cut bait, chase the sun, follow a dream. Follow, follow, follow a dream. I found freedom on a wide open highway. And it feeds a gypsy soul. Ain't no Steve McQueen, I got me a wild streak. Let's make some memories. Yippee Kyle, California, yeah, I'm ready to run like a Kaiser renegade. Come with me to the Golden State, what we need is a good, clean getaway. Yippee Kyle, California, yeah, ain't nothing ventured, nothing gained. Glory's in the attempt, they say. And that is Sean Hogan, originally from Ontario and a few places along the way, now living in Campbell River, B.C. 
That is his song, California. Uh, we have another new song coming up in a bit. Uh, are these songs going to be available, these new ones, Sean, on part of an EP, an album, or just as singles off of iTunes? Yeah, thanks, Dave. They are. All of the above. They're going to be on iTunes. California should be on iTunes before the end of the month. And um, many other digital downloading platforms. California will be there. And it is going to be on my seventh studio album, which I hope to get out into probably early summer at the earliest. But I, I'm aiming to get this album out this year. And right. currently there will be 11 new songs on the album. It's my seventh album. So I'm calling it Seven Come Eleven, Dave. Kind of like that <laughs> old... It. It's a gamble, right? <laughs> it's like... Yeah. It's Seven Come Eleven, seven, seven <laughs> studio album, 11 new songs. Uh, and, uh, you know, it is a bit of a crapshoot being in the music industry anymore. So I thought, Seven Come Eleven, man. And I have... There's more to the story, though. Um, I've gone back and forth between having a non title track album to a title track album to a non-title track album to a title track <laughs> album. So I've just done the last, the sixth album was a title track album. So this would be a non-title track album. And um, this is a line out of another tune that I have on the album, which uh, I'm quite thrilled with and happy with, but it has not been recorded yet. So Seven Come Eleven is a line out of the out of that, but it's also, like I said, my seventh studio album with eleven new songs. So it'll be there. It ties in, man. There's got to be a tie-in for me. That's all. It's got to be a thread, but it's got to be there. Some exactly. There's got to be something that ties it all together. I love that. Uh, I'm sure over the years, Sean, you've had a chance. Uh, I know you have to work with uh, a lot of great uh, musicians and probably people that you really looked up to and maybe grew up listening to, and at least meet them along the way. Uh, is there anybody yeah. uh, on your list, Sean, as far as for future projects that you'd like to team up with, whether it's for songwriting or a duet partner or a performing a one-off show somewhere? Anybody you want to work with you haven't had the chance to yet? Yeah. Um, there's probably a lot of people. And, you know, I don't know how lucky I'll continue to be, but I would love to be – I'd love to do a shot, have a shot – uh, of playing a song on Stephen Colbert's show, Late Night with Stephen Colbert. Nice. Uh, that is on my wish list. I would love to open up for Jimmy Buffett somewhere, be on a show with Jimmy Buffett. All right. I would love to record a song at Muscle Shoals down there in Alabama, in Muscle Shoals, just mm-hmm. for the experience. And in, uh, yeah. in Memphis, I'd love to record a song there. I don't need to do a whole album. Just a song would be cool. And, I mean, there's so many greats in the industry. It would be a thrill and a privilege to be able to work with. But uh, I, I, I'm i not holding my breath. So, you know, I mean, it's a matter of wouldn't that be cool? Um, and uh, who knows? You meet people along the way. So you never know. I'll leave it at that. Now, yeah, absolutely. Uh, at the top of the show, uh, described your music as a blend of alt-country and modern rustic pop. How would you describe it, and is it important for you to put a label on it, Sean? Is it just Sean Hogan music? Or if somebody asked you what kind of music you played, you know, if they were coming to one of your shows and hadn't been yet, what would you say to them? I'd say that uh, as a singer, I'm a singer who writes, I think is what I am. And I think 
I like to think that my voice has a fair amount of energy and soul, and that's really where, you know, and it's it's like I I sing that way. Stylistically, I'm drawn to singers who have a fair amount of energy. You know, not to sound cliche, but I think a fair amount of rock and energy in the voice, um, authenticity, um, yep. and soul. Soul injected. You know, I don't mind people saying these days, I think I've been asked that with a new album coming out. And I think, well, you know, what is my music, right? And I think it's soul injected, country influenced, you know, roots rock singer songwriter. That's kind of where I'm at. And. I haven't veered too far from that. I'm true to myself when I'm doing that. And so, you know, I'll hear a song and I'll go, gee, you know, maybe did I hit that too hard? Huh, you know what? That interests me. Like, if, right. you know, everybody likes what they like. I mean, some people love yeah. Sarah McLaughlin singing, and she's great at what she does. And I can yeah. listen to her, but I couldn't listen to a whole night, maybe. And she probably couldn't listen to a whole night of me. I don't know. But it's like... <laughs> You, you know, you're you're you like what you like, and so when I heard um, when I hear playback of a song I wrote and the way I sing, it's like no, I'm going for those notes because I know I can nail them, and I know I like the way that sounds. And beyond that, I'm not sure if it really matters, because if I can nail those notes that I want to hear, not notes I can't hit, notes I know I can hit, that I yep. think sound cool to me, then you have to kind of go. Well, the kid's been singing, or the guy's been singing since he was a kid, so, yeah, he, he can sing. I can hear it. I mean, there's one thing, you know, when you come to see a Sean Hogan show, you hear what you hear on record, you hear live. There's no fake singing. There's no, he sings kind of flat. There's no, he sings sharp. No, he sings just like right. you hear it on the record. That's the way he sings. Unless I'm sick, if I have if I have a terrible cold, which, knock on wood... I have only had once this year. Um, but no, man, you're going to get the goods. That's how I sing. I sing like you hear me on the record. Exactly like that. You will not be disappointed. But is that, but you, you know, I have people who, you know, back that, back off that maybe. Should you back off? I don't know. I think I hear singers and I'm not going to name names. And, and everything is. And I think maybe they're having a lot of success. And listen, it's a very conversational delivery of that voice. It's like they're talking. Maybe I should yep. talk sing more. Maybe that would be better for me. I don't know, you know, but that's not my <laughs> style. Um, so, so there we get back to the you kind of got to do what you do, right? And and yeah. uh, hope that be, everything else. Yeah, you got to be true to yourself. Yep. Yeah. Let it let it uh, flow naturally. I was going to ask you a moment ago. Uh, in your shows, of course, you got so many of your own original songs. I'm sure you obviously don't need to do covers. Do you ever cover any songs, Sean, in your shows? Songs, songs that are special to you, or you know? Yeah, I do a lot. Dave. Yeah, I do. I do a lot, and I'm proud to do it. Um, I I I have a handful of songs that I love to sing, and I call these artists that I cover Hogan's Heroes. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it's true. That's perfect. So, if you came to a show of mine, you might hear me sing a Bob Seger <laughs> tune. You won't hear me yep. sing a lot of his tunes. Uh, you'll hear a John Hyatt, a Steve Earle, Tom Petty, Jimmy Buffett, Neil Young, George Strait. You're gonna hear Jeff Healy, nice. the Wallflowers, uh, Ryan Adams. 
I did not say Brian. I said Ryan Adams. You know, <laughs> Brian with an R. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I love all these all these singers, and um, and it's nice. cool, you know, to be able to um, hit a sweet spot with people listening. That's a, that's pretty cool yeah. when you're doing. Whether I'm on a, you know, a floating lodge on the far side of the Pacific, uh, doing a show for people who've been flown in, or I'm in some you know, meat and three diner grocery southeast of Nashville, and Winona Judd is in the audience because she happened to be there to go get a couple things she needed from the store shop closest to her. Or I'm in, you know, wherever, Mexico singing. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, I, I, uh, I think if you can... If you can bring it and it sounds authentic, and I think what sounds authentic is you connecting to the song as a singer, and then people resonate to that, and they lock right. into that. And it's a cool thing when that happens. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, as we get set to uh, wrap up here, we do have one more song to play, uh, Watuko, mm-hmm. and I'm going to have you talk about the story uh, behind the writing of this, because this is, this is one of my favorites of yours. Uh, it's brand new, and it's just so catchy, and it makes you feel warm and good, and uh, I just love it. It takes me somewhere. Tell me about Watuko. Great song. Okay, well, you know what? Um, I'll try to make it as brief as Sean Hogan can, but um, <laughs> I, I was doing a show with some friends of mine, Jake Matthews and Dwayne Steele, about three years ago, it's coming up to three years now, I'm sure. And uh, a guy came up to me after, and he said, Sean, hey, man, I want to get your uh, album, whatever it was at the time. My best of albums weren't out. And he said, my name's Cliff, and uh, I really like your Travel Plan song, and I really like that Suck It Up song. You know, it's got a kind of a tropical vibe to it. I said, oh, yeah. He goes, yeah, I just came back from Huatuco, Mexico. And I said, what? And he said, I came, I was down in Huatuco, Mexico, and I, you know, your songs remind me of still being there. And I thought, well, that's really cool. Thank you. I've never heard of this place. Can you tell me what it is again? Because it just sounds like it rolled off your tongue, like Huatuco, Mexico. I just like, as a rhythm guy, the way that sounds. i got to look it up. So I looked it up because I wasn't familiar. I've never been to Mexico. And it's a, a little area on the Pacific. And, and the way North America goes is you, as anyone who can kind of visualize the geography of North America, way down in the bottom of North America, it's like we got a tail on the continent. And Watuco, yes, it's on the Pacific, but it's almost underneath Winnipeg, like longitudinally. It's way over there. And it's at the 15th parallel in the tropics, like 15 degrees above the equator. So most days it's 30 degrees or 31 or 32 or 28 or 30. And, and so I started looking at it online. I'm like, wow, this is a gorgeous place. I've never been. I've always wanted to go to the tropics. So I thought I'm going to write this song and I've written some other songs about traveling, you know, and, or wanting to be somewhere or having a good time, even if I didn't leave like dream vacation. And, um, and so, um, yeah, Dream Vacation. That went to 17 on BDS. Anyway, the year 2000. But uh, so <laughs> I, I started writing this song, Watuko, and I'm having fun with it. And, and then I was watching this show called Chef with John Favreau. It's a really yeah. great show. Great movie. And um, 
and and there's some great Spanish influenced music playing as this as the song as the movie kicks in, and and I studied jazz music, so I'm listening to the changes, and I'm like, I wonder what these chord changes, like what the what the intervals are here. This is cool. Like that sounds like it's a minor fourth to the you know to the one, and I'm like, well, that is that? I gotta so. I'm playing around, I'm going, oh, that's cool. So then you get, like anybody does, you know, you're playing around on their guitar, and next thing you know, you're playing something completely different. But I had this song at the same time in another part of my brain percolating about uh, a place called Watuco, and I'm writing these lyrics, and I'm not really sure where it's going. And even up to less than a year ago, I've been trying this song in a couple different ways uh, for a chorus. And, uh, you know, one thing I've got to do at some point is erase all these other old ways that I, you know, I played with these songs. But because it might, you know, melodies, I love melodies and I could take melodies in a million different places. But um, I wrote this song anyway, and I finished, I committed to this one arrangement that I'd written and I played it for... Uh, my sister and her husband and my sister's husband said, you know, um, I got a buddy who has a house in that place in Watuco. I said, really? He said, yeah. And, and he has a bar in your hometown, but he's had a house down there for a couple decades. So he played it for him. This guy calls me up and goes, yeah, I can't believe it, man. You've never even been to Mexico and you <laughs> nailed this place, Watuco. And that's laying amazing. low on a bay in Watuco, like that's your whole song just paints the image of every time I go there, how I feel all my troubles disappear, all my worries, all it's just, everything's going to be okay. All the pressure goes away when I go to Watuco. And I'm like, really? I've never been, but I'm glad you like the song, you know? And, um, <laughs> and so then, uh, so then he plays it for other people who are Canadians who own businesses and properties there. And they're all going, geez, yeah, this, this is really cool. We really like this song. And this one company, this is after the song was recorded. And this one company said, listen, um, we've got a real estate company and, you know, we'll bring you down here. If you allow us to stick some of our surfboards in your video for a little product placement, I'm not sure I've seen enough product placement in movies. I don't mind, you know, it's okay. Yeah. I'd love to go to Watuco. You're going to fly me down. They flew me down and my director, uh, cameraman, and they even brought my wife down. And we, you know, we seldom get away with our kids, like never. So we spent a week and uh, we shot for five days and I, I did a show and we had a great time and, yeah. and um, made this music video, which is coming out this week, which is kind of crazy. Oh, good. Yeah, it'll be on my YouTube channel within the week and the song I'm really pleased with because I got to work with musicians I love I wrote all these parts from the guitar riffs to the you know uh, drum part to the you know I mean it was like I had all these ideas I even played the cowbell folks <laughs> it was like that's me More and yeah bell. the horns Bring on beat 3 and 4 that's me and yeah you know it's like I don't remember a song where I had so much fun painting and my co-producer was like okay Sean well yeah everything you're saying works and it's all working but it's getting really dense, and uh, I said, "Yeah, but it's all working. It's like it's sounding so sweet." And Terry Townsend, who played trumpet on my last album, who's a great trumpet player, who's from Michigan, but now lives in the Baja, California, in Mexico, down in the Baja, and uh, he's played with Count Basie. He played for several years with Colin James, and he played with Delbert McClinton, one of my favorites, for years. And um, 
anyway, Terry was open to playing trumpet. He loves his song. That's him playing trumpet all over the tune. It's awesome. And uh, he's since played on this song I wrote called Indelible, which I wrote after my mom passed away. And he played the most beautiful muted trumpet on there. I'm, I've always loved the trumpet. And, um, you know, just I can't say enough about it. So it's really cool. And uh, I appreciate the fact that you're going to give it a debut on your show. Thank you. Awesome. Well, that's my honor to do so. I, I fell in love with it the first time I heard it, and I've played it a bunch of times. And uh, it's a great tune, as our listeners will discover right now. This is Sean Hogan and Watuko on In the Country. Laying low on a bay in Watuko, living the life and loving living life so. With no dinero, I'm out of what I earned. Yeah, I'm closer to heaven than I may well deserve.
Sean Hogan, brand new music called Watuco, and man, that makes you feel good. It's like you're down in Mexico having a drink, uh, basking in the sun, and just having a great old time. Uh, that's going to be part of, uh, I guess, as you mentioned, uh, an upcoming album, uh, 7 Come 11. Yeah, man, it is. And awesome. I'm going to roll the dice and do another album. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> And the video, as you said, is coming out to any day now as we tape this interview. It's coming out this week, so people will be able to head to uh, your social medias and the YouTube to watch that great video. I can't wait to see it as well. Sean, thank you so much for being here. What a great pleasure to chat and to get these stories and, of course, to hear the brand-new music. Yeah, you're very welcome. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much, Dave, for uh, making the time for me and my music. Once again, my guest has been Sean Hogan. I'm Dave Woods, and that'll wrap up this edition of In the Country.